0: Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm Fraser McGrew, and I'm here with Chris Ragg, Peter Coghill, and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're discussing Peter's inability to use a parking meter. Okay, Peter... um Tell us about it. What went wrong with the parking meter?
1: Well, uh, th- th- there's a car park I often go to when I'm going to the gym in in Cup, um, and uh, it has what appear to be fairly standard uh, parking meters where you pay your money and get your ticket, so your your car doesn't get clamped. Um, and they're all over the they're all over the public car parks all in that area, uh, and uh, it has uh, license plate regist- uh, recognition as you come in. So you can't. Your ticket's not transferable, etc. Um, and the the really annoying thing about these parking meters is they have a keyboard on there. So you have to you have to say who which registration is yours. But the keyboard is not a normal QWERTY keyboard, which most people are now a lot of people are now proficient with. It's alphabetical, presumably to to be accessible to those who aren't familiar with QWERTY keyboards. Um, and it's in, in it's incredibly difficult to use. It's incredibly difficult to find, and it's in alphabetical order. So it's not incredibly difficult, but it's much more time-consuming than knowing exactly where it would be on a QWERTY keyboard. Uh, and this got me thinking: is you know, why is there such a block here? I know the alphabet. Why does it take? Why is it so hard to find the right letter?
0: And if we leave aside for the moment my surprise that you go to a gym. Um if we leave that aside for a moment um, what do you think the answer is to your question that got you thinking about this
1: well i think i, I think it, the the because i'm so familiar with the keyboard i use it every day for many hours of the day um i am just more used to it my i have a I have a more automatic response between thinking of a letter and being able to place my finger on it than i would do with an unfamiliar uh uh ordering of letters or positioning of, of letters um uh, uh, but it's like it, it was it, this experience just hit home made it hit home exactly how much of a difference an unfamiliar interface made
0: yeah,
2: yeah because, I, I sorry
0: well you know your alphabet
1: right i do and more or
0: less. when it comes to an interface you know you know your are qwerty um and so the problem is the interface is suddenly just having to to work with an interface that's in a standard sort of alphabetical order, which actually also makes one wonder about if I ask you to recite your qwerty alphabet right now, probably wouldn't be able to. Apart no, from, that's uh, that's apart the, from the interesting thing, bit. isn't it? Yeah. Can't,
2: I mean, can't I, I can't tell you what the type what's on a typewriter? I can only type it out. Yeah. Um, no, I, th- I was just going to say it's a bit like the numpads, you know, which... are uh, um, What's a numpad? A numpad is the number, the number keys on the right in a square formation. Uh, I, never <clears> right. I, no, I never use them. I can't use them. No, I never use I'm <laughs> a top row of the keyboard man. Right, so I, I, I'm very, very fast at typing numbers uh, from the top row of the keyboard, but you asked me to use a numpad, and that's been specifically designed for entering numbers, and I can't do it. And it's it's made worse by the fact that numpads are non-standard, so the one on your computer is likely to be different to the one at an ATM, and your calculator might be, might be one of those, you know. Um, and... Uh, But yeah, no, I think this is obviously very very prevalent and we have to put a lot of effort in to be able to use really simple things. Watching my kids learning how to use the computer and realising actually how challenging, something that seems incredibly intuitive to us, like the mouse or or the old, you know, the sort of familiar WASD to move and the mouse to look around, which, um, you know, once you've got the hang of it, is just like looking around you don't think about it you don't pay any attention to what your hands are doing you're looking at the screen and you're making things happen on the screen in much the same way that we don't think about sending nerve impulses to our fingers to make them move you know we don't think about which muscle head in the yeah the we thing. don't we i mean and them. actually i don't know if you've ever tried this but uh, if you th- look at your arm and you think well, i'm going to try and make my my biceps contract and lift my arm up you can't do it right you can actually the only way you can make that happen is by lifting your arm up you can't do it by trying to control your muscles so you know this is obviously a big big issue with, with the way we interface yeah. with technology I, th- and- I
3: think um i think it really is sort of um all of these kinds of examples you know another one is um where you can't actually remember somebody's telephone number until you try to type the telephone number in and it's it's showing that link between um Movement and physical space and cognition, and this is sort of uh, this is part of um, embodied cognition theory, and the idea that um, our ability to think is closely connected to uh, our sort of sensory motor experience and interaction with with the world, um, which is why you get all, all of you know these uh, these these various um, types of phenomenon like. Um, there there have been studies that have shown that um when you encode a memory uh you um you are more likely to be able to recall that memory uh when you are in the same position the same posture as the point at which you encoded the memory so uh this kind of explains that that phenomenon of um you get up and you go to the kitchen and you forget what it is that you you wanted from the kitchen you come back Come back again to the same sort of environments where you where you first had the the, the sort of thought, uh, and you sit down again, and that's the point at which you you recall what it was you were you suddenly realise that one of your buttocks is bleeding profusely.
2: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, he went to call an ambulance. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so don't, <laughs> that kind of thing. Don't, don't do exam revision lying on your bed because you're not going to do the exam. No, lying no, on it's your bed. unlikely. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. So, um, so yeah, it's it's just it's just an and and, and you know as Nick was saying um making sure you understand that that link is part of good software design so you know where where we where we take away the physical world and our ability to move around it and we move it into a virtual world sort of trying to ensure that link through um is something that's important in design so uh you you know right-handed people um Again, there have been uh, sort of studies looking at this. Right-handed people associate things on the right-hand side uh, as being more more positive, uh, and things on the left-hand side as being less positive, and and the reverse is true of people who are left-handed. Um, and so, you know, for example, uh, you know, swipe right or swipe swipe left can have an implication for that. And it might be that actually you want to reverse it for for a left-handed user so that, you know, they're swiping things they want to the left and they don't want to the right.
2: Ideally, you'd match a right-handed and a left-handed person to go on a date and then you'd sit them side by side. But, you know, because then, they, then they'd be on the right side for, for each other, it'd be That's brilliant. Right. Uh, yeah. But woe betide you if you got it the wrong way round.
3: Yeah, exactly. You know? Instant, instant hatred.
2: I think, and it's, it's interesting that these... Uh, There are sort of meta conventions, not to do with individual bits of software, but ways that we're learning to understand what technology does that have become almost conventions that actually we we understand but find quite hard to articulate. So if you think about the difference between a left mouse click and a right mouse click, I think most people intuitively understand that left clicking is like picking something up or selecting something and right clicking is doing stuff to it but i think most people find it quite hard to articulate that you know that if but, i want to you know and and, and um and i think uh, i don't know do, do max have have two buttons yet or are they still on the one button paradigm
1: they they you can you can buy an additional button at a cost i've okay and i've an, got a trackpad an Apple, so i don't an know Apple branded uh, a second but, yeah. yeah but actually
0: just going back do, is it really intuitive though how
2: quite do we high. know How do we know we're not just conditioned? I think because when you get a new piece of software, I think you expect to be able. You know, you you expect,
0: but isn't that because of your previous experience in the sort of the. The I mean, um, Chris used a great phrase.
2: Oh yeah, for I'm not something. saying there's anything special about left and right clicks. I mean, it could quite easily have turned out the other way around. Right. Okay. I don't. Uh, what well, all I'm saying is that that has now become a convention that's yeah. really deeply ingrained, and so it comes. It's quite. It's quite surprising when you when you can't do what you want to do by right clicking or left clicking you know on on something, and you know selecting things with the right mouse button could quite easily have turned into the the standard way of doing it, yeah. and on some you know old computer games and stuff they they 're sort of the wrong way around, and it 's quite weird um to have to select things with the right mouse button, but I think we now know you know it's it 's left to select right click to do stuff, so you you pick the objects up with your left click and you send them somewhere with your right click you know? and
3: the design you know design needs to build on those things, so if you suddenly started trying to uh, reverse that that pattern for people it would make them feel like they were they were work you know working uphill um and you know uh it's the transfer all the way through so we've now got virtual conventions about sort of physical movement and uh operations on a on a computer but it's also you know bearing in mind the the traditional ones and that they are um also culturally specific so you know um uh, for example, um, Japanese people and Taiwanese people are um, more likely to draw a circle in a clockwise direction, whereas um, uh, you know the rest of the world is more likely to draw a circle in an anti-clockwise direction. Um, Can confirm, I've just drawn a circle. Okay. You know, and if you'd have asked me, I'd
2: have I'd have, I'd have sworn I was about to do it clockwise, Same. but I haven't. Right. Really so, so it's
3: little things like that, that if you are, you know, if you've got some operation where you've got to um, like the, the twiddle round on a, a, an iPad, for example, where, you know, you've got people doing something in a clockwise direction or an anti-clockwise direction. If you can work with those things, you're obviously building on... Uh, Cogn, you know, cognitive pathways that are already in place, and that's you know what designers should be should be contemplating. But of course, the
2: problem is when you have to invent one of those sort of languages, physical languages, yeah. from scratch. Um, and it's quite—I mean, I think the early, you know, those early pioneers, didn't they, in the sort of uh, actually quite early '60s, were thinking about what you could do with a mouse. And that was—it's so commonplace now that yeah. we—it's hard to—it's hard to realize how revolutionary yeah. that was. Yeah.
0: But sorry, I just want to dive in here because. You know i want to try and move it get a little bit deeper because we've established okay that um the the link between physical and mental space um and the implications of that for design but if we sort of move it you know back to what we tend to talk about analysis and decision making can we can we sort of move this a little bit further can we go a little bit deeper with this
2: well i think the the traditionally there's been this distinction made between um uh declarative knowledge uh you know which is knowledge or propositional knowledge which is knowledge of things that whether they're true or not you know so you can um it's it's just sort of knowing facts um and procedural knowledge which is being able to do stuff um and i think the i think actually that the the, there's a question of whether actually they're, they're they're more similar than that they're not they're not two fundamentally different types of thing and that when we when we learn to uh know things are, is there something that we're learning how to do you know are, is the ability to distinguish between states of the world um actually a skill that we learn or is it is it something you know is it something more traditionally cognitive you know is it is it that we you know we have um just some things in our head which we which we call facts and and we say that they're true and it's not a skill at all um now if you take something like being able to spot red objects that's uh seems very clearly something that you learn it's a skill so understand what the word red means is to is to have a certain skill at being able to pick red things out um uh or is it i mean there's a very interesting book i read uh called on blindness by uh mcgee and milligan and um it's it's two philosophers one of whom was blind having having an, a set of letters between them about what it was that you know was was being blind did that stop you being able to know something or did it stop you being able to do something um and the blind one, McGee, he was fairly sure that actually what it was was an inability to do something. And Milligan was seemed equally sure that actually being blind must stop you from knowing something. Um, but the, anyway, I mean, that's you know the, this. The, the question is when you think about um, sort of types of let's say mathematical knowledge or something. You know, no, knowing that something's uh, say a prime number and getting a feeling for what that means, whether that's actually the ability to run a certain algorithm. And to, and to say yes that is and that isn't with it with a really that's what that's what knowing that 13 is prime involves or if it's something else
0: okay um we're actually getting fairly close to needing to wrap up so have either of you two anything to respond to what nick's just said
1: i think well we've, we've covered things that have a very good physical metaphor so moving your mouse pointer around or um looking using the mouse as a sort of Metaphor for your position of head or eyes, but where it gets more interesting, potentially more challenging, is in a more abstract domain. Where, um, so think of pages, web pages, or large collections of information like Wikipedia. Um, they, they, you have to work very hard to maintain navigability and wayfinding within these large collections of things. It would be very easy to get lost if you didn't have some indication of where you are in a hierarchy. Or where you are along a path, mm. or or landmarks. I think they're generally called in psychological literature. Um, they could be phys- they could be sort of physical representations of, representations of landmarks, like things you would see in in in, in the, your visual field. But or they could be uh, like mini maps and and things which show you where you are in position to so other things.
2: Well, like the thing the 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 little marker at the side. Which shows you how far down you are the web, on the web page yeah. i don 't know what that's called yeah. so Scroll without, bar
1: without or something. these without these visual cues you get very lost very quickly, and a lot of work gets put, if you look at Wikipedia, old versions of it more and more more and more furniture has been added to make navigability more more easy and I think um, you know that
3: that navigability uh understanding that there's nothing there's nothing universally tr- there are all sorts of things which we imagine are universally true that we take for granted um so f- for example if you are um if you're arranging things in a chronology right so you you're asked to put um there's a there's a famous board game where you have to put events in in the chronology um and um we would all start with the soonest thing being on the left and uh, the uh, rather the, the the thing furthest back in time being on the left, and the thing most recently being on the right. If we were doing a chronology, if you were a Hebrew or an Arabic speaker, you would start with the most recent uh, thing on the the left, and the thing furthest away on on the right. And uh, you know we understand so that that meaning of what left to right is and what right to left is it differs um and you know they're even they're yeah but even... i mean but you know but there there
2: is still the concept of an ordering which is inviolate i mean there are i doubt there's any cultures where they start they put the earliest things in the middle uh, well there the are cultures oh, interestingly oh, no, where uh, probably are yeah uh, where probably find east, someone somewhere
3: where where east to west is the predominant conceptual direction so um depending on the orientation they're sitting in they would order a chronology east to west Mm. so if i'm sitting facing you they put it one way and if if it was you doing it you'd do it the other way and they would all they would all understand that effectively um so so I, i just think it's sort of um you know this idea of um showing things in in order um you know is 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 not necessarily something something universal and something which you need to be be kind of careful when build, building into um, to structures. Yeah.
0: Just just one thing. Um, we need to finish off. But <clears throat> how good are you at taking notes on a on a on on a computer? Do you sometimes? Because I, I I now do it all the time to save to to save time and to have for ease of access later, and also because I've got terrible writing, especially when I'm note taking. But um, you know, on on so I will take notes on a computer if I'm on a Skype call to someone or something. But I don't particularly like doing it, and I don't feel it's going into my head as in the same way as if I was writing it down. Mm. What are you? Where are you on that? Are you sort of full on 21st century and you can type straight in, or do you still like to write?
2: For words, I don't really mind uh, typing. It's it's just no different to me. But the uh, with maths, I can only do maths with a paper and pen. I can't. There's nothing. There's no equivalent uh, uh, that lets you sort of do the kinds of things you need to do on a computer, there's nothing anywhere near it where you can sort of, you know, draw a circle around something and have a little arrow and try out a little proof in the corner and then, you know, when you find a result, put a line around it and uh, point it somewhere else. You know, it's uh, I've, I've not encountered anything remotely as good as that, that mm. uh, you know, in, in software form.
0: I can't, I, I don't have that problem because I can't do maths.
2: Well, P- Peter's now going to or... tell me that there are brilliant, there's loads of brilliant bits of software to do that. But uh... well,
1: There are lots of options but they're not, they don't quite <laughs> have the, the physicality that paper gives you um uh, you yeah we 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 could get we could get nice um touch screens with styluses that mimic paper pretty well
2: yeah and uh, physicality i mean you know this, this whole um it's like bo- people uh, board games for example which you know there are some things which work fine as board games and are no good as computer games because it's something about the physicality of having a little territory and having little physical actual men on it seems to make a difference to Mm. how we perceive something you know sort of i don't know if that's something that is merely a technological constraint that at some point you know with the right sorts of haptic feedback technology we will eliminate altogether but um i of feel like there are some things which um the physicality of it is is important I i remember you know i read some somewhere about the way that people remember information when they're reading a kindle um and they don't they don't recall it as well and and partly that's thought to be because when people read something in a book they kind of remember where in the book it is how far through they 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 are of the book and where on the page it was and of course they don't have you don't have that very easily with a with an electronic book um and i just wonder if there are you know we sort of suggest there might be fundamental physical you know factors which we we have to have in order to be able to do thinking properly
0: also, one thing we, we, we need to wrap up, but one thing we haven't talked about is a link with, with emotions and memory and physicality as well, which we haven't got time
2: to Yeah, well, to. we're LF Insights. We don't have emotions.
0: <laughs> no. um, I would like to bring in Chris, but we don't have time. Um, so um, we'll, we'll finish there. I'm not um, upset
3: because I haven't got any emotions.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much, chaps. So... Um, <clears throat> I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been with Chris Ragg, Peter Coghill, and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. You've been listening to the Cognitive Engineering podcast. Thank you for listening, and until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>